1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Going for the big ball. Wide open. Touchdown. Brandon Cooks. Five, six, seven yards off. Makes for easy throws for Geno Smith. Smith to the air to Metcalf. And he reels it in. Is it a catch? Yes, it is. A touchdown for DK Metcalf. First and ten for the Giant 14. Rodgers with the fade for Wilson in the touchdown. To my point, he threw an absolute dart. That was covered, Bob. They can somehow get the Raptors into the penalty here earlier in the quarter than they did there in the third. No, absolutely. When they got to the free throw line in that second quarter, that really made a big difference for them. Booger working over on Achua. And a step back 18-footer. Rattles in and out. Here's the pitch, and Shohei drives the ball deep into right center. It's way out of here. Right out of the blocks here on this Wednesday. It's showtime. 2-0 Angels. The outs tonight. First pitch swinging is Juan Soto. Driven opposite field. This one is going to be gone. Another home run for Juan Soto. Crushes it opposite field. His second home run of the night. This one's a two-run blast. It'll give the Padres a 4-0 lead. Juan Soto doing all kinds of damage against the Giants tonight. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Thursday, November 30th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. Pardon my scratchy throat before we get going here, but I don't think that's going to get any better. I've been sucking down water like crazy for like two days. So I'm doing my best. Um, maybe get a little orange juice or whatever I'm supposed to do. You know, So hang in there with me. Thank you. Today's Sports Zone, the one-hour extravaganza right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. Chargers, uh, I'm sorry, not a good start. That has nothing to do with the scratchy throats. My brain's not operating correctly. Cowboys, Seahawks, that's who plays tonight. Who you got tonight at Arlington? Aaron Rodgers, should he play again this season for the lowly Jets? The Suns, why did the winning streak end last night? Shohei Otani, what team would be the best fit, the best free agent fit for him? Juan Soto, should the Padres trade him? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative, uh, hopefully, informative uh, sports talk Monday through Friday. Most days, I think that qualifies. In moments of the introduction of today's pipeline, 10:15, a Cowboys and Seahawks preview with Michael Gelkin of the Dallas Morning News. 10.30, interactive action at 6.02, 2.60, Also, we'll have the, the uh, local roundup topped by Suns and Raptors and ASU and Sam Houston State analysis for Wednesday night, plus the bottom line from today's pipeline questions. Then the final segment of the Sports Zone will be the national roundup, including from the wire and rip from the headlines. Also, no extra point today. 
the extra point hosted by Kayla will return tomorrow with the Friday spread as we preview the college uh, conference championship weekend and also, of course, NFL week number whatever this is. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, who you got tonight, ATS at Dallas, Dallas minus nine, or Seattle plus nine. Technically, I guess it's in Arlington. Uh, but who do you got, uh, Dallas minus nine or Seattle plus nine? And Corey is here and has the early returns. Right now, split 50-50 on KDUS1060.com. Okay. Maybe this will influence the uh, the people, and we'll get out of the 50-50 split here. Uh, the Cowboys entered tonight with 12 consecutive home wins. That's straight up, including a 5-0 and zero record this season. The only game the Cowboys have lost at Jerry World the last two years was the season opener to Tampa a year ago. That's when Dak got hurt. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, should Aaron Rodgers play another game this season for the 4-7 and seven Jets? And, Corey, what do we have here? Leading here is no, 64.3%. Yes, at 35.7 on KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter. Rodgers practiced on Wednesday, 11 weeks after the Achilles surgery. The Jets have 21 days to decide whether to activate Rodgers from the injured reserve list. Meanwhile, <clears throat> excuse me, on the local front, the Suns' seven-game winning streak ended. They were out-hustled and outplayed from the start in the 112-105 loss at Toronto. What was most disappointing about the Suns' loss at Toronto? Meanwhile, Spain, the Globe, the winter meetings are upon us uh, next week in Nashville, I think it is. Yeah, they don't go to like Duluth or someplace that's you know, miserable and cold. Duluth's miserable, probably. I've never been to Duluth, not that my recollection. Probably, I'm guessing Duluth is miserable at any time of the year. But anyway, they do not go to a cold weather location. Even though Nashville, sometimes Tennessee is a little cold this time of year. They might want to reconsider. Anyway, uh, the winter meeting soon. Uh, Shohei Otani. Uh, you know, may sign a free agent contract at the winter meetings, according to at least one report yesterday. Uh, as far it is in Nashville, by the way, I just double checked, so it is in Nashville next week. What team would be the best fit for free agent Shohei Otani, who remember is not expected to pitch in 2024? Meanwhile, Juan Soto might also be on the move. Reports indicate that the Yankees and the Padres have had some trade discussions. Should the Padres trade Juan Soto this offseason? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That's the pipeline for today. We've got all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind. 602-260-1060 or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That will be followed by a Cowboys-Seahawks preview. We'll get the latest on the uh, the Dallas Cowboys from Michael Gelkin of the Dallas Morning News. 
Once again, at the bottom of the hour, to be phone call time, general discussion, 602-260-1060, plus the local roundup, topped by some Suns and ASU basketball analysis from last night. And once again, we'll also at the bottom of the hour, get to the bottom line for the pipeline questions that you just heard moments ago. You are listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castellux HD 2 100.7. Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7. You're holding the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. The 8-3 Cowboys tonight begin a stretch of five games against uh, teams uh, that are at least 500 at this point of the season. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the sports zone by Michael Gelkin of the Dallas Morning News. Michael, it's good to have you on the show. And uh, let's start with uh, what's your assessment of the Cowboys uh, at this point of the season? Well, it's, it's, it's hard to, as you mentioned, the competition here that's coming up, it's hard to be too optimistic about the Cowboys uh, just on account of, of them not having beaten a, a team like the Eagles or the, the 49ers, you know, losing those games both on the road. Eagles won that they certainly could have and maybe even should have won, uh, but the Niners were there, were just totally trounced. And, and so I think after, you know, games like that, you know, obviously you, you, you want to not – just overlook what you're seeing against some lesser competition. And, and there's reason for the Cowboys to be really encouraged about how far they've come since that week five loss to San Francisco in particular. But overall, I, I think this is still a team that I'm learning more about uh, based on what it will do when it, again, against, against more well-rounded opponents. Yeah, they certainly have proven that they can pummel the bad teams, except for, of course, the mighty Cardinals. Uh, did they just overlook the Cardinals back on September the 24th? Um, I don't know. I, I think it's the, the Cowboys, obviously, on their offensive line, there's, there's five guys. Three of their starters weren't on the field. Um, yeah, so that's, that's true. That's something that they felt. Um, you know, I think defensively, that said, you know, the, the Cardinals ran all over them. And when it comes to the reason why, I, I would probably, that's where I would probably begin to entertain the idea that, you know, maybe the, the Cowboys didn't play with enough juice for whatever reason against a lower-level opponent, uh, so that that shouldn't happen, and it really hasn't happened uh, since. I mean, the first half of that game, uh, the, the, the Cardinals were, were just so successful in the ground. So um, I, I believe that's fair. But overall, tally of that game, and maybe the Cowboys have enough offensive success uh, to overcome the poor run defense in the first half uh, if they have uh, even one or two of those three missing offensive linemen. That makes sense. All right, Mike McCarthy, uh, back calling plays, replacing Kellen Moore. Uh, what has changed most, either scheme-wise or with the play calling or both? Yeah, there's a lot there. Um, a lot has changed. Um, and a credit to not only Mike McCarthy, but his coaching staff, offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer, uh, some of the other assistants on staff, uh, they took a really, really hard look at what they have done in the past under Kellen Moore. And they stripped or tweaked uh, a lot of it. Some of the language changed. Uh, we saw at the start of the season, ball was getting out of Dak Prescott's game a lot more quickly. Re- recently, that's, that's actually shifted 
uh, where now the Cowboys have really leaned into being uh, an offense where when Dak Prescott's dropping back, you know, there's that initial 23 seconds where, where things are more scripted in terms of the quarterback's footwork being aligned with the receiver's route running. Um, and then after that 2.3, it's, you know, it's a lot more just you know, of a scramble drill and, and, and guys just kind of making plays and um, you know, there's, there's some organization to the chaos, but um, the Cowboys have gotten a lot more efficient after that initial 2.3 seconds, and they're doing a lot more of it. So um, that's something that Mike McCarthy is constantly preaching. Um, you know, some of the routes they're running, protections are totally different. Uh, with Mike Solari, the offensive line coach, running backs are having to do more in protection. Their outside zone is a little bit different. So there's a lot of dramatic changes under Mike McCarthy, but I think that the 2.3 clock with, with Dak Prescott has probably been the biggest change over the past several weeks. And that's something that Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy have embraced. Michael Galkin of the Dallas Morning News, curling in the sports zone. Cowboys and Seahawks play tonight on Thursday night football. You mentioned Dak. He's graded as the number one quarterback this season by Pro Football Focus. What has he excelled at uh, at this point, and uh, you know, where do you think he's improved the most from last season? I think the, you know, it's probably piggybacking a little bit off of what he does in terms of extending plays and, and, and you know and, and all that. I think his footwork is, is, is cleaner. Um, I think the, the Cowboys as, as, as a collective group, including coaching staff, they've just done a really good job of having an understanding throughout the offensive personnel, including Dak and receivers and so forth, of, of, of what they're trying to accomplish on a certain play. You know, understanding the why. You know, why is Mike McCarthy calling it this is situation and, and how did things work hand in hand of you know offensive line protection as uh, the, the quarterback footwork, work receivers route running and then obviously with cd lamb uh you know performing at the level at which he's performed uh, brandon cook has been a great addition uh, so this is a, a, a better receiver core than it was last year if you recall last year the cowboys were in their first season without amari cooper without Cedric wilson with the dolphins and their you know replacement or so to speak, um, you know, James Washington kind of won your contract uh, from Pittsburgh. I think he caught a pass. Maybe he didn't. I mean, it was that kind of a year for him. And then Jalen Colbert, mm-hmm. the third-round pick out of South Alabama, he also did next to nothing. So uh, Brandon Cook, uh, his arrival, uh, that was a big deal for the Cowboys to get a little more help uh, for Dak Prescott in terms of the receiver core. You mentioned Lamb. He's obviously had some monster games. Uh, yeah, how has he specifically improved in his career with the Cowboys? There's been obviously multiple facets to it. Uh, he hasn't just improved in one area. Um, I would say he's, he's definitely more comfortable with Dak Prescott. You know, they put in a lot of time. They had a moment, uh, you know, in Week Five against the 49ers where Ceedee Lamb felt like he wasn't getting the ball enough. And he looked at his production ever since, and no doubt Lamb had a point. Um, but, you know, those sorts of conversations along with offseason time with Dak Prescott, that they, the chemistry is just much better, which obviously helps the receiver. And then more technically speaking, uh, he's, I would say, more efficient with his movement from the top of his route. Uh, so, that, so that's important. So, he, you know, he has a stem. And then what he does at the top of it to get that separation uh, in and out of his breaks, uh, that, that's been noticeable. And then I think he's a stronger player, too. Uh, you know, so... When he was at Oklahoma, C.D. Lamb was getting a lot of yards after the catch. We're seeing a lot more of that here in Dallas, uh, in, in part because of his comfort, in part because of the increased play strength, and also, you know, credit Mike McCarthy as well. 
um, for, for giving him opportunities to do, make plays at that big base. And then finally, uh, he just moves around so well. He can play the X, he can play the Z, he can play the flanker spot, the plot, and, and that ability to move around uh, and be more fluent than ever in, in Mike McCarthy's offense uh, really makes it difficult to, to just, as a defense, say, we're going we're gonna to take 88 away. Uh, when he's on the move like that, especially when he's moving into the slot, it just becomes uh, much more difficult for teams to, to focus in on him. And if they do, again, more help this year in the receiver core. Okay, Tony Pollard, I promise this is not a fantasy question. I'm sure you're tired of hearing from the fantasy people about Tony Pollard. Uh, is he uh, still recovering from the injury? That you know, Obviously, the playoff loss against January, that was a bad injury. Is he still recovering from that? Is he maybe just not physically equipped to be a workhorse running back? But I have noticed the last two or three weeks he's broken more tackles, so I'm kind of confused here. Yeah, well, I think it's it's a little confusing. Um, so he's recovered. He's recovered from the leg fracture that he suffered in January and the playoff loss to the Niners. He's recovered from that. But if, if you were to, you know, first, you know, 10 games of the season, I, I would have looked at what – Pollard had done and told you that I think they're giving the ball way too much. I think they need to get Rico Datto more involved, uh, who's more of a physical type of guy, and let you know let 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 Rico be that change of pace and, and, and keep Tony Pollard fresh. He's not showing that he can be explosive and physical throughout the course of the game, and, and so that conversation that we would have had it, it sounds a little bit different today because of the past two games that Pollard has had uh, where to your point to your point he is running with much more strength you know he's, he's, he's evading four potential tackles on his way to a 21 yard touchdown uh, we, you know we've seen that uh, you know we're just seeing a little bit more invasiveness a little more just strength um, and so that is encouraging when you're running back is getting stronger as the season goes on I still think Rico Dattle is an important player. If it was a fantasy conversation, which I know it isn't, but you mentioned it. I'd probably be handcuffing <laughs> him in my in my league. Um, but, I have uh, I have Dattle, by the way, so I guess I, this part kind of is fantasy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, good job, very true move. Um, but yeah, so it is encouraging to see the the, the progression for, for Tony Pollard over the course of the year, um, because you know last year. Uh, his running backs coach here with the Cowboys, who's now with the Buccaneers, his running backs coach said that we cannot give Tony Pollard too many carries because he will slow down. And so we want to keep him fresh because we don't think he can sustain that level of dynamism um, if we give him 15, 20 carries a game. And so that kind of loomed into this year when the Cowboys started to give him those carries, and he didn't really respond that well until these past couple games. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, if I'd made more shrewd moves, I would not have had to go out and get Dowdle on my fantasy team. So, to be truth be told, all right, we're talking with Michael Galkin from the Dallas Morning News. Okay, let's rip this, uh, flip this. He tried to say rip or flip uh, to the defense. If I remember correctly, the last time we talked was just after Trevon Diggs had the uh, season-ending surgery and injury. And you talked up uh, Deron Bland. Uh, would you like to do a victory lap uh, on the pick six uh, king of the world here right now? Yeah, five pick sixes. I don't know if I saw an NFL record being set like that or the way he has in you know eleven games. Um, it's pretty pretty sensational. But it's not a surprise to see someone who who just doesn't get too emotionally high or low. Uh, he's just so steady. I probably said that when we last spoke. Um, he's just well-equipped to handle 
the rigors of the NFL, the rigors of his position. You know, he, he's a guy who, if he gives up a 35-yard, you know, you know, pass, you know, go route, whatever it may be, he, you, know, you look at him and, and it looks like he just got a PBU. I mean, he's that consistent. I'm shocked that he spiked the football after his record-breaking fifth pick six last week on Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, you know, you just don't see a lot of emotion out of him. Um, so he's kind of been just Mr. Automatic ever since he got here. Uh, not to say that emotionally, internally, he says that he does get, he does feel things. So he's not a true robot. But uh, what he puts out there in terms of how he carries himself, he, he's just someone who has never been too big for him. Um, and so Cowboys are, are really, really pleased with the 2022 fifth-round pick out of Fresno State, uh, former transfer out of Sac State. I'll, I'll give him a little shout-out as a, as a UC Davis <laughs> alumnus. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, 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 they're really, uh, Cowboys really, really pleased, obviously, with what they got uh, out of Bland, uh, who just won uh, minutes ago the NFC Defensive Player of the Month. Hmm. Okay, so, you know, Micah Parsons, it seems like the last couple games they've put him uh, uh, more over guards and centers than they did, at least that I recall in the past. Is that an accurate assessment by me? And I assume that might continue. They, they may be doing it more, but it's something they've always they always have done um, ever since he was a rookie. Um, they were, um, you know, he was maybe more of a linebacker, no doubt, um, at, at that point. But you were seeing him, uh, you know, mug the a gap, uh, which is when you know before the snap he'll you know he'll creep right over from again from linebacker off the ball, and all of a sudden he's stepping either right directly in front of the center in the zero technique, or he's mugging the a gap truly. He's, you know, either he's inside uh, or he's out. He's, he's inside the left guard or inside the right guard. And he's sitting right there um, between guard and center, and mm-hmm. he, he creates all sort of stress on an offensive line because you have to account for the possibility that he's going to rush that a gap. And so you're communicating at the line of scrimmage, you know, in the seconds before the snap, you know, counting for number eleven, and then because of his four three speed, I mean, he, he creates a challenge if he decides he's going to bail on the coverage instead, and, and, and then that free up a teammate for, for a one-on-one matchup where otherwise they might not be. So he, he's always created issues with his ability to rush the A-gap. But now I, I do think it's fair to say we're seeing it more where it's just kind of a true, you know, almost like not quite like a defensive tackle, but to some level where, you know, he, he's just going to rush it. You know, you, you, the coverage uh, opportunities are fewer, and, and he's just taking, uh, you know, the, the chances at rushing the quarterback and being successful with it, obviously. So, uh, yeah, Micah Parsons is, is so versatile, so dynamic, just like the way that Mike McCarthy has C.D. Lamb on the move and, and makes it a bit of a targeting issue if you're trying to eliminate him and, and, and contain him. It's the exact same thing with what Dan Quinn is doing and has been doing with Micah Parsons. Uh, he's often on the move. He might be your left end. He might be your right end. He might be on the ball on first down and off the ball on second and back on the ball on third or the rush at any gap at any point. Um, so it, 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 it's what makes him dynamic, his versatility. It's unlike anything. Um, I really, it, 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 it really doesn't have a historical comparison in terms of someone who can be as dynamic as Parsons as a linebacker and also dynamic as he is a defensive end and to be able to move in between. Certain guys have, have played both positions, sure, but not to the level at which Parsons mm-hmm. does both. How's the Cowboys' defense match up against the Seattle offense tonight? And I think it's safe to say that the Seattle offense has been inconsistent for much of the season. Yeah, I don't know if I really know who the Seahawks are at this point in the season either. 
and they've got obviously a shorthanded situation at running back with Kenneth Walker not being able to play tonight. At least he's officially doubtful with an oblique injury, and he didn't practice all week, and he missed last week's game too, so it appears that he won't be playing. And so that's an obvious hit to to the Seahawks offense. Um, But the receiver core certainly is talented. I've always had a lot of respect for Tyler Lockett. He just seems like a, a complete pro. Um, you know, one of the best in the league, quietly has done it for so long. And so I think that's probably any team that faces Seattle, that's, that's a big challenge, is, is you know, containing, you know, the, the receivers who are, you know, so different, so complimentary. You know, what DK Metcalf does is pretty unique in terms of the physical challenge that he presents. But I look at the Cowboys' defense, and, you know, you got Dron Bland on one side. You, you've got Stephon Gilmore on the other. And I think Jordan Lewis in the slot is probably the big matchup to watch tonight. It's, you know, how, how, you know what, what can the Seahawks do? Um, you know, against him. You know, someone who's been extremely, extremely impressive over the course of his Cowboys career. He's coming off of a major foot injury, and and you can't say enough about about his toughness to have done so. Um, so we'll see how it goes uh, tonight. Um, but that's that's probably one area to look. You know, Cardinals fans are cringing when anybody says Tyler Lockett. He has destroyed them over the years, no matter who the quarterback has been. So. Yeah, they only get, they play one more time this year, so we'll see how that goes. Okay, I mentioned at the start of the segment the Cowboys beginning the night have this five straight game stretch against teams that are currently above five hundred. What areas specifically must the Cowboys step up to avoid? Uh, you know, basically step up where they really haven't stepped up the last couple of years against the elite opponents. Oh gosh, I mean, I think at some level it's as simple as just winning. Um, which is not a good answer, so I'll try to think of another. But I mean, that's kind of what it comes down to: is, is they just need to find a way to to get past these teams. And you know, obviously, the 49ers—they've already played them once this regular season, and if they're going to face them again, it won't be until January in, in the playoffs. But I, I just—you you keep coming back to, to that game uh, when they really couldn't do anything right. Um, yeah, you moving forward into these five, you know, I think it's, it's it's being able to run the football. Um, you know, it's still. Uh, needs to be proven that the Cowboys can, can do that, is, is run when they need to. Um, and so I think that's probably one area to look at. Um, defensively, I, I think we've kind of seen this defense do it all. Um, you know, they have overall stopped the run, but that's going to be a continued focus. Um, they have been able to take the ball away. They have been able to get after the quarterback and get pressures, if not sacks. So I think it's, a lot of it is just simply doing what you've done against lesser competition and, and proving that you can maintain that at some level against you know, more top teams. And, you know, whether or not the Seahawks are, you know, we'll, we'll probably have to wait another month uh, to really make that determination. But they've been good enough against enough teams where this is a proper test tonight. Okay, so uh, what are you expecting tonight against the Seahawks? You know, their the Cowboys are favored by nine, eight and a half or nine. Uh, do you expect them to, you know, I assume you expect them to win the game, but do uh, you expect them to cover the game? <laughs> Boy, we're hitting fantasy, we're hitting gambling. We're, we're touching all the bases, aren't we? Uh, I'm doing. Yeah, this is right up my. These are right up my alley here. I got a long alley, and they're both they're both included in the alley. Your show, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I got a winning by double digit points. I, that's my prediction. Um, you know, I, I, I just think the Cowboys are top to top to bottom, um, a, a more complete football team. Um, you know, you look at you know Geno Smith. You know, they're 0-3, the Seahawks are, when 
Smith this season has been sacked more than twice, and I just think that the Cowboys are, are going to get mm-hmm. to him more, you know, more than two times. Um, obviously, that doesn't just because that's the stat so far doesn't mean that's the secret recipe. But I, I just think that they're going to give Geno Smith um, a lot of discomfort uh, tonight. And you know, with Zach Charbonnet running the football, second round pick out of UCLA, whose name I hopefully didn't mispronounce. Um, he, he's going to, you know, be very capable of, of, of picking up, uh, you know, for Walker's absence. But, but even still, um, I, I don't know if I've seen I haven't seen enough of him in pass protection to, to really know that, that having a rookie back there um, it won't be felt. So um, I do think the Cowboys are, are going to, you know, win pretty soundly. And they've won 13th straight at AT&T Stadium, dating back to the last year. So uh, I think number 14 comes. Now, whether or not this is like the other five road game, five home games this year, you know, the, the Cowboys have, have won them all by 20 or more points. Uh, we'll see about that. I don't know about mm-hmm. 20, but I do think they'll do enough to cover. Michael, always a pleasure talking to you. I'm sure we'll be catching up later in the season, probably uh, once the playoffs get, get going. And uh, thanks always for the time. My pleasure. Have a great one. You too. Michael Galkin, Dallas Morning News. We, we did cover it all there. We covered the fantasy angle, which you know, I kind of you know threw out there, and covered the point spread, which I definitely threw out there. So there you go. All right, next segment, phone call time. If you want to jump aboard, general discussion, 602. 260 1060 also we'll get to the local roundup a little bit of basketball from last night depending on phone call volume and also we'll get to some bottom line answers for the pipeline questions today it's only one hour of local morning programming here today kayla's got other responsibilities that she has to take care of today so no extra point the extra point will return tomorrow after the sports zone of course the the sports zone from I get my times right here, 10 to 11, and then it'll be the extra point. And tomorrow's a Friday spread, of course, uh, as we go through our championship weekend in college football and all the uh, NFL games, and including a couple of big-time games like San Francisco and Philadelphia. Uh, that'll be amongst the things we cover tomorrow. But we still got two more segments to go in today's Sports Zone, so stay tuned right here on KDUS AM 1016 KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time. we got time and room if you want to jump aboard, 602-260-1060. General discussion if I didn't mention that previously. All right, first up, some bottom line answers from today's pipeline. We start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is... Who you got tonight, ATS, Dallas minus nine, or Seattle plus nine? Uh, the bottom line, the Cowboys, as you heard Michael mention in the last segment, they've won 13 consecutive home games dating back to week one of last season uh, when they lost, uh, when Dak got hurt in that game against the Buccaneers. The Seahawks have lost three of their last four games this season. Uh, I'll go Dallas 27-17. I know it's almost right on the number, so I guess for the poll question answer, I uh, would be uh, leaning, leaning towards uh, laying the nine points, but I have no bet uh, on this game tonight. Today's Twitter poll question, should Aaron Rodgers uh, play any more this season for the 4-7 and seven Jets? Bottom line, I understand the Rodgers says the competitive spirit and so forth. He certainly likes the attention, <laughs> no doubt about that too. But there's no way that he should play the rest of this season for a team with many deficiencies, 
plus they're you know four and seven, and I don't think that's going to get too much better. But they're one of the I think their biggest deficiencies, which I've talked about for months, long before the season-ending uh, we thought season-ending injury to Rodgers in, in Week One, the first game of the season for the Jets. Their offensive line is bad, and that offensive line has not gotten any better. Also from today's pipeline, what was most disappointing about the Suns' loss at Toronto? The bottom line, I was surprised that the rested Suns were out-hustled. And I, mean, I don't think I was that surprised they were out-muscled because most teams are going to try to out-muscle the Suns. But they got out-hustled and were out-muscled by the Raptors and the Raptors that played the night before in Brooklyn and got back at 4 a.m., uh, might get to that more, uh, more of that in just a couple of seconds. They didn't get back to uh, Toronto from Brooklyn to four, four in the morning, which was uh, quite a journey for them, apparently. Uh, meanwhile, what team would be the best fit for free agent Shohei Otani, who, remember, is uh, not expected to pitch in 2024? Bottom line, the Dodgers have been long considered Otani's next team, but there has been a lot of buzz in recent days that Otani might be headed to Toronto. Meanwhile, should the Padres trade Juan Soto in the offseason? The bottom line here, the Padres, unless they're going to sign Soto to a long-term contract, they should definitely trade him this offseason. He's a free agent after the 2024 season. For instance, the Yankees. They have for uh, prospects, some who've been disappointing, quite frankly, but they seem to be a logical landing spot if the Padres are going to trade Soto. Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? So right now, last call if you want to get in, phone call-wise, 602-260-1060. On to the local roundup we go. The Suns outplayed and out-hustled last night at Toronto. Uh, Phoenix, uh, they're not going to win many games uh, if Kevin Durant and uh, Devin Booker are not shooting well, and uh, neither of them shot well last night. The result was a 112-105 Phoenix loss. The Suns rallied, trailing just 88-86 before they allowed 11 of the next 13 points, and that was pretty much end of game. Booker finished with just 8 points on the night. Uh, 2 out of 12 shooting, including 0 out of 4 from behind the arc. Uh, he briefly left in the third quarter with an ankle injury, before he, an ankle issue I think would be a better way to put it, before he came back. But he just uh, didn't have it at any point of the night. He was guarded mostly by the physical and athletic Scotty Barnes, uh, who last night was the best player on the floor uh, for either team. Barnes was. He scored 12 of his 23 points in the decisive fourth quarter. Duran, after he missed uh, the previous two games with a foot injury, did come back, and he finished with 30 points last night. But he made just 11 of 30 field goal attempts it was only two out of eight from behind their three-point line. Meanwhile, uh, the Raptors basically out-hustled the Suns for the loose balls. It was uh, hardly a 50-50 situation. If I had to guess, it was more like 75-25. Uh, and that was surprising because the Suns had two days off while the Raptors, after that Monday night loss at Brooklyn, did not get back to Toronto until 4 a.m. because of uh, airplane mechanical issues. So you would think that they were the team that would be you know, less rested and uh, certainly uh, less aggressive, but uh, they were the aggressors from the start. Also, the Suns' transition defense was awful, and uh, that was very important because the uh, Raptors, I think it's uh, an accurate statement. I don't think it's even an arguable statement. They are sometimes offensively challenged, especially in the half court. 
uh, but the Suns uh, did not get back on defense. In fact, uh, the Raptors had 20-some points just in fast break points. Meanwhile, the bottom line, the Suns' seven-game winning streak ended. They're now 11-7 and on the season. That concludes the three-game road trip to Memphis, New York, and Toronto. Personnel news, the Suns were without, once again, Bradley Beal at the back, Grayson Allen because of illness, and Nasir Little because of childbirth. Uh, his, uh, you know, his significant other uh, gave birth to a, I'm not sure if it's a boy or a girl, but they gave birth, and uh, you know, he was not with the team last night. Up next, the Suns play Friday night at home against the defending NBA champion Nuggets. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. That should be fun. Meanwhile, on to the uh, ASU basketball team. They won last night over Sam Houston State. Sun Devils led from start to finish. They won 78-61. to The game not as close as that score might indicate or suggest. Uh, the Sun Devils, uh, they got almost all the 50-50 loose balls, going back to that 50-50 loose ball thing. They scored 28 fast break points. Then that's especially important for ASU because their half-court offense, as we've mentioned a couple of times in this young season, not exactly their strength. It's been inconsistent, let's put it that way, during their now 4-2 start to the season. ASU, four players last night, finished in double figures scoring-wise. Jose Perez led the way with 24 points. Uh, Jemiah Neal had 14. Frankie Collins had an excellent all-around game, 12 points, 7 rebounds, and 7 assists. And Alonzo Gaffney had uh, 12 points. A, that was a second consecutive good offensive game from Gaffney, uh, who finished with a team-high 19 last Friday night against Vanderbilt. Gaffney's offense, I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's, it would be safe to say that he's been erratic offensively throughout his ASU career. Next, uh, next up for ASU on Sunday, they host San Francisco. And San Francisco off to a 3-2 and two start. And San Francisco uh, beat the Sun Devils when they last played in the Bay Area. I don't remember if that was last year or the year before. But uh, whenever they play, last played, they, they beat ASU. Also in today's local roundup, the 2-10 and 10 Cardinals uh, remain 5.5-point uh, underdogs at the 7-4 uh, and four Steelers on Sunday. A couple of sports books, at least in Las Vegas, moved that number to six yesterday, by the way. So that number might be going up uh, in several locations, I'm guessing. Yeah, on Wednesday, uh, this, the uh, Cardinals activated Elijah Wilkinson from the injured reserve list. Uh, he is uh, their starting left guard when healthy. And uh, uh, they have 21 days, the practice window. <clears throat> excuse me. He actually practiced yesterday. Uh, but they have 21 days to activate him. Uh, for that three-week period uh, after uh, you know, you're actually you know, practicing with the team. So we'll see uh, what happens with him. Meanwhile, the U of A actually, football-wise, has a player that could be a first-round draft pick. They've had plenty of first-round draft picks in basketball over the years. Uh, but left tackle Jordan Morgan coming off of a 2022 injury has had an excellent 2023 season. And uh, he is showing up, at least in the media mock drafts in some of them, as a uh, first-round draft pick. And, in fact, I saw a mock draft yesterday that had 10 offensive linemen selected in the first round of the 32 teams, uh, selecting in the first or 32 picks in the first round. A couple of teams, including the Cardinals, have two first-round picks. And I would strongly advocate that the Cardinals – Select a quarterback with their first pick. Hopefully that'll be first, second, or 
God forbid, third uh, in the draft. And then when they're picking right now, they would be picking 18th with the Texans' first-round pick that they acquired in the draft last year. Uh, I would suggest an offensive lineman, uh, perhaps one of these tackles, uh, just because you got a bunch of guys listed as offensive tackles, that does not mean they're going to be offensive tackles in the NFL. But offensive linemen, I think that's one thing that the Cardinals, many things that they did pretty much every position, in my opinion, they need to upgrade. But uh, I would think that quarterback and offensive line are the two things they most need to address in the draft in 2024. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's show. With the National Roundup, uh, that'll be top for uh, some, uh, a little bit for tonight in the uh, NFL. A little more on the Cowboys and the Seahawks for tonight. Uh, and then uh, don't forget today, no extra point today, but it'll be a full three-hour radio block of local programming in the morning tomorrow, early afternoon. Uh, the Sports Zone from 10 to 11. And then the extra point hosted by Kale will be the Friday spread, of course as we preview the college and pro football weekend. That will be from 11 to 1 o'clock. One more segment today, so stay tuned. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Okay, we're going to whip through this segment like we often do because I do a poor job of managing time in the third segment of the hour. This is block four of the hour. Uh, thank you, time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, whatever else sips to the cracks. Also, our guest today, Michael Gelkin from the Dallas Morning News, the latest on the Cowboys. Uh, tomorrow at uh, 8.15, we will preview the Cardinals and Steelers game with Ray Fittipaldo, another longtime guest like Mr. Gelkin. Uh, Ray from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Uh, sound of the day courtesy of CBS, NBC, 3TV, uh, KLAA, that is the Angels, at least it was last year, the Angels flagship station, and also KWFM. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. Uh, once again, no extra point today because Kayla has other obligations. Uh, the extra point will return tomorrow from 11 o'clock to 1. Obviously, the sports zone from 10 to 11. All right, Monday Night Football, pretty much universal. Uh, the uh, the uh, Cowboys, nine-and-a-half-point favorites, at least. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Vegas consensus line. Cowboys, nine-and-a-half-point favorites tonight against the Seahawks. Total, uh, really, literally everywhere I'm looking right now, which is about – 12 sports books around the world, 47 and a half on the total there. As far as one injury, uh, it was mentioned, Michael mentioned, uh, it looks like that you know the Seahawks will not be full strength on offense. Kenneth Walker, who has the oblique injury, missed last week, and apparently he's going to miss this week too. Quickly, a couple of things uh, around uh, the NFL, at least one thing from around the NFL. One thing's kind of NFL and college. Uh, well, these first two are. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, back to the NFL rumors, which we discussed yesterday. Those rumors have reached Chicago, according to The Athletic. The Bears' higher-ups, that's my term, not theirs, have talked about uh, bringing Harbaugh to uh, replace uh, Matt Eberflus, assuming Eberflus is fired. And also, Valley product Spencer Rattler did announce that he's leaving South Carolina and he will enter the NFL draft in 2024. 
All right, that's it for today. Uh, thanks for listening, as always. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Once again, just to remind you, tomorrow, full three hours of programming in the uh, morning for us and in the early afternoon. The Sports Zone from 10 to 11, followed by the Extra Point, hosted by Kayla, with the Friday spread from 11 to 1 o'clock. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening, and have a great rest of your day, everyone.